Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So, um, how many of you guys like medical shows, medical stuff? Like, you know, you got the ER thing, you've got Grays or whatever. I don't know what you like. Um, but um, how many of y'all, anything medical just absolutely grosses you out? Like, like you don't like it? Um, after we're done, you need to ask Wyatt the story about when he went visiting the hospital with Tim Yates. And the story ended up Tim Yates dragging Wyatt by his ankles um, out of a room into the lobby to wake him up. Uh, <laughs> so not everybody likes medical stuff, especially when blood is involved, or needles, or terms like drainage. Um, but what we're going to be doing tonight is we're going to be, um, it's, we're starting our first series, and this series is kind of a medical series, hence, you know, our little, we tried to come up with like an operating room type thing, um, and we have some, we actually have some medical professionals as youth group leaders too, and you're going to get to see um, some of their um, expertise here in a little bit. But, um, but um, we're, if, if you have your Bible, by the way, turn to Psalm 119. But, um, but the series that we're doing is called Open Hearts. And if you got, ha- how many of y'all have had to go to like the ER, you've had to go to the hospital before for something? I, I've been in the hospital for some weird things. I got a French fry stuck in my throat one time, and they had to scope it out. Like, you know, so, but the first thing they do to you when you get into an emergency room you go to a place called triage, and they take your pulse, they take your um, blood pressure, they put the cuff on, they take the blood pressure, um, they'll do some other tests, and anybody know what those are called, like collecting your blood pressure, your pulse, and all that stuff, it's called checking your vitals, yeah. So, in order to be healthy, your vitals have to be good. It's not good enough just to have a heartbeat, right? <laughs> you have to have a good heartbeat. And it's not good enough just to have blood pressure. <laughs> you, you need to have the right blood pressure. Well, what we're going to talk about tonight and the next couple weeks, the vital signs of Christianity. Like, what does it mean to be healthy spiritually? Um, we kind of have in, in churches and in Christianity come up with some vital signs that really aren't good ways to measure who, not a good way for me to measure myself if I'm a good Christian or a bad Christian. Usually what we say is if you go to church, you're a good Christian. If you don't go to church, you're a bad Christian. Um, If you, what is it, I don't cuss, I don't chew, and I don't go with those who do, you know, if you don't, something like that, it's like an old person saying, you know, but if you don't cuss, you don't chew, and you don't go with those who do, you're a good Christian. Um, If you go on a mission trip, you're a good Christian. But I think what you're going to see is that God's vitals, what God tells us about our vitals, um, it's a little bit different. And the vitals for a Christian actually revolve around three things. The vitals for a Christian actually revolve around three things. It's loving God, loving one another, and loving your neighbor. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about those three vital signs. And I'm going to have you all, not literally, but I'm going to have you check your spiritual pulse. I want, I'd, I want you to check your spiritual vitals and, you know, don't measure your Christianity just by if you go to church. You, there, there's a lot more, there's a lot deeper than that and it actually has to do with our heart. So we should have a heart for God, a heart for one another, and a heart for the lost. So, um, what is a heart? Well, yeah, you saw a picture of a heart. How many of y'all were grossed out by the video? Anybody grossed out by the, wow, okay. Um, so, um, yeah, 
I, I thought it was really fascinating that a heart could beat outside the body. Um, but the, you know, first when we think of the heart, we think of like the organ in the body that pumps blood, and that's important. We're all glad we have those. Um, but when God is talking about the heart, he's talking about not the bodily organ, but he's talking about our heart. Um, he's talking about our heart, and there's this thing that a lot of you, you know, well, I guess guys could put it on Instagram too, but it's kind of like the, you know, the common white girl thing to post on Instagram, and it's, it, it's a picture that looks kind of like this, and it says, follow your heart, and it's got butterflies on it, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, and um, it's sweet, but have you ever thought about the wisdom of following your heart? Some of you, some of you followed your heart when it told you to date a guy or to date a girl, and now you look back on that guy you dated, or on that girl you're date, you dated, and you're like, man, my heart was really stupid, because he's a slug, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, my heart was really stupid, because my heart told me to date her, but her heart told her to date my best friend. Like, you know, sometimes you, following your heart isn't always a great idea, especially when you check your brain at the door. And you know what the Bible says about following your heart? Like, there's an even an 80s song that says, like, listen to your heart, or something like that. But, um, you know, what does the Bible say about your heart? Well, the first thing it says in Jeremiah 17, 9 is that the, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That doesn't play as well into that 80s song. Listen to your desperately wicked and evil organ as it's talking to you. No, it doesn't work out well, does it? But that's the truth is that the Bible says that our heart is inclined towards evil, naturally. Um, it also says um, that our heart must be guarded. So maybe a better way to do it would not be listen to your heart or follow your heart, but it would be guard your heart. Um, I've got a dog, and her name is Sadie, and she's socially awkward, and she's, not the, she's very sweet, but she's just not bright. You know, yeah, yeah, you probably have a friend like that too, right? She's sweet, but she's just not that bright. Um, well, Sadie will not go, when I take her for a walk, it's like this. You know, she won't just walk straight. She's got to go, and I've got to correct her because she's wandering and she's wandering. That's what our hearts do. So when we're supposed to have a heart for God, a heart for one another, and a heart for um, our neighbors, do our hearts naturally go that direction? No. We have to guard them and we have to guide them. Even the wisest man in the world, Solomon, the Bible says he's the wisest man ever. His brain worked great, but he had a heart problem. The Bible says that his heart was led astray by his many wives. He had like 600 wives. Can you think about that? That's wild. And it said that his heart was led astray. Have you ever met somebody that are the smartest people in the world? Guys, maybe you have a friend, they're like book, super book smart, but they always date the worst girls. And it totally messes up their life. So our hearts don't necessarily lead us where they should go, and it's our job to turn our hearts toward God and what he wants us to do. So the question tonight is, does God have my whole heart, or have I wandered from him? Does God have my whole heart? So that's the question I want you to be thinking about as we read God's word. Um, and at the end, I've got, um, I've got kind of a demonstration about just how important God you know, having a heart for God and giving our heart to God is. So Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. We're not going to read it all tonight. Um, we would be here for a very long time. We're not going to study the whole thing tonight because it would be a very long time. And Psalm 119 has two big messages. The first message is the importance of the Bible. And if you've been around here long enough, you know we talk a lot about the importance of the Bible. The second message in Psalm 119 that you see repeated and repeated and repeated, and I've got it highlighted and like underlined every time in my Bible, and it's the heart. 
It was Psalm, many of the Psalms were written by David, who was, he was called by God a man after his own heart. And it talks about the heart. So we're going to look at some vital signs. We're going to look at some spiritual vital signs for your heart and your heart towards God. So I've got seven vital signs. We're going to go through them real quick. And then I've got a little demonstration at the end that I, want, I hope will connect with you. So look at Psalm 119 and look at verse 2. It says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies. That's God's testimonies. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. So that's the first vital sign that we need to ask. We need to examine our heart. We say, is my heart seeking God? Well, what does that mean? Well, look down at verse 10. It says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Remember how I said our heart's prone to do like my dog does and wander? And one minute we love God, one minute we're like, eh, you know, I think I'd rather do something else. Our heart likes to wander, so we have to seek God. So the question is, are you seeking God or are you running from God? Now, by the way, just because you're at church doesn't mean you're seeking God. Some of you came to church because you're seeking a girl. And you heard there were girls here. Some of you came to church because you were seeking the famous refuel nachos. Some of you came here because you were just seeking to hang out with your friends. So when we measure ourselves by like church attendance, that doesn't necessarily mean we're seeking God. Just because you went on a mission trip or you went to camp doesn't mean you're seeking God. You may have been seeking adventure. You may have been seeking just to get out of the house and get away from your family. Um, so you have to ask yourself, am I really seeking God? Like, do I really want to have more of God in my life? Um, the next thing that we, we have to ask ourselves, the next vital sign, is, is my heart free? Um, if you keep reading, we're just busting through Psalm 119. Um, verse 34, it says, give me understand, or, sorry, verse 32, not 34. It says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And the first thing I thought of when I thought of in, you know, in a heart being enlarged, I thought of the Grinch, you know, how his heart was two sizes too small, and then his heart got two sizes too big. But that's not really what this verse means. Um, if you look up the word for enlarge, what it has to do is like being set free. You know, so if, you're, if, if all you have is a jail cell and you're set free, your territory is enlarged, isn't it? And that's what this has to do with. It says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Um, the Bible says that we're all born in the prison of sin. When you were born and, and you were a baby and um, you know, the doctor smacked you on the hiney and gave you to your parents, the Bible says that you were born a sinner. And... You look at a baby, and the first thing you think of is, oh, what a cute little sinner. You don't usually think of that. But once a baby gets to be about two years old, you kind of start to understand that. Because babies get a little ornery, and then when they become like kids, oh my goodness, you're like, can you do anything but sin? And the answer is no. The answer is no, because the Bible says we're born sinners. Uh, Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous, no, not one. So we're all born sinners, but something happens when you put your faith in Jesus, it says that you were set free and that you're no longer a slave to sin. So God unlocks your heart. He opens up your heart. And before, when before you could only say no to God and yes to sin, now you can say no to sin. So when you become a Christian, that means sins that usually cause people to get hung up. God gives you the power to say no to. So you can say no to porn. You can say no to lying. You can say no to your fits of anger. You can say no to when your parents you come in the room and they say something that just makes you blow your top. You can say no to disrespecting your parents. Um, the question is, are you living in that freedom? Or are you acting like you still are a slave to sin? Notice it says, I will run in the way of your commands, meaning I'll obey you, God, when you enlarge my heart. You're never going... 
if you trust God to save you and you realize there's nothing you can do to save yourself and you rely on God to save you, what makes you think you can't rely on God or you shouldn't rely on God to keep you where he wants you to be and to, and to help you to obey him? You need God. So is my heart free or am I hung up on a certain sin? Um, the next one we look at is my heart devoted to God. Look at verse 34 through 36. It says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not for selfish gain. Did you know that you can obey God and still not be right with God? You can obey God and still not be right with God. Think of it this way. When your dad tells you to clean your room and your dad is like hardcore about you cleaning your room or your mom is like hardcore about you cleaning your room and you're like, I really don't want to do it today. And your dad does one of these things, like you know, the finger's going like this, you know. <laughs> so you, you, know, you know, okay, I better clean my room or dad may pick up a tree and whack me with it, you know. Like, like so, I, yeah, I better clean my room, but you're not happy about it, right? And you're picking stuff up, you know. Your room's a mess. And you're picking stuff up, like, oh, my dad made me clean my room. You know, what a jerk. I'd like to see him clean his room, you know. You know, yeah, you cleaned your room. Well, thank you. Yeah, you cleaned your room. But are you in a right relationship with your dad? Some of us think that just because we check the boxes, we're in a right relationship with God. But what does this say? First, it says in verse 34 that we should keep God's law. That's obeying, right? But some of us stay there, and all we do is keep God's law. And we do it begrudgingly. We're like, yeah, God, you know, he won't let me have any fun, so I'm going to sit here in my pew at church, and I'm going to look like this. You can tell people that only keep God's law, and they don't delight in God's law, because their face looks like the end of a hot dog. You know what I'm talking about? You ever met anybody like that? So next time you see somebody whose face looks like the end of a hot dog, say, you need, to delight, you need to delight in the law of God. Because all they're thinking about is the fun they're missing. All they're thinking about is, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to go to church. I've got to read my Bible. And they don't enjoy it. But look what it says. It says first that we keep God's law. Then it says we observe God's law. So keeping God's law is picking the room up. Observing God's law is realizing, I kind of understand why my parents want me to clean my room, because last time I didn't clean my room, there was like this like rare bacteria growing in the carpet, you know, and, and so, so dad doesn't want me to die of rare bacteria, so I can understand why he told me to do that. That's observing the law, it's more than just doing it, but then it takes it a step further, and it says, incline my heart to your testimonies. What does that mean? If you look at the uh, previous uh, phrase, it says, I delight in your law. That's saying, I enjoy having a clean room. I enjoy being able to know that my clothes are clean. And I don't have to do the smell test every time I go to school and sniff my boxers and see if they're dirty or clean. So, yeah, so it goes from keeping to observing, understanding. Why, why is God telling me to do this? To delighting in it, saying, hey, I get to go to church today. I don't have to, I get to. So there's a difference. So the question is, are you devoted I'm not asking, are you checking all the boxes and actually doing what's correct? Are you actually enjoying obeying God and serving God? Man, that's hard. A lot of people sitting in church that aren't enjoying obeying God and aren't in a right relationship with God. Next one, trusting. Is my heart a trusting heart? That's the next spiritual vital sign. Look at um, verse 68. It says, and this is talking to God, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but my whole heart, with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. What happened in your life to make you wonder if God is actually a good God? What happened in your life to make you doubt the goodness of God? Did somebody hurt you? 
Did somebody leave you? Did somebody turn their back on you? Did something you were planning on not pan out? See, things happen in your life, and you're at the age where now you're starting to realize that life isn't perfect, that your family's not perfect, and that your school is definitely not perfect. And you're thinking, how can a good God let this happen? And how can a good God let this happen? But look what this verse says in verse 68. It says, God, you are good. That's who he is. And you do good. Everything God does is good. You've had it rough. I get it. Some of you have had it rough. But you have to answer the question, what will I do with God? What will I do with God? If God is a good God, the question is, will I receive God's love? Will I let God's love fill that hurt in my heart and that empty part in my heart? You know how we love God? We love God when we let him love us. That's how we love God. The next, the next test, um, we may have lost our screen, so I'm just going to tell you, it's, is my heart pure? Is my heart pure before God? It's not just about keeping God's commandments. That's part of it. God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But look at verse 80. It says, may my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. You know, Jesus upped the ante when it comes to um, how we obey God. Um, you know, the Ten Commandments, it says not to murder. And some of you, that was put to the test today. Yeah, do not murder was put to the test today. Because that girl walked by you in the hall at school. Like that girl. Yeah, that, 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 that short little blonde girl, you know, that hates you and you hate her. I don't know if there are any short little blonde girls in here today, but I'm not like picking on you. But I'm just, you know, that, that, you know, that girl, you know, who walks like this and, and, and just, you know, and, and tries to get all the boys to notice her and stole your boyfriend. And then, you know, you've had it back and forth and she said stuff about you and you said stuff about her. And then you saw her walking down the hallway. All you wanted to do was pick up. Do you guys still carry trapper keepers or is that an old thing? You know, Dan does. You wanted to pick up your big Trapper Keeper or your big 35th anniversary edition um, biology book and just be like, bam, like, like WWE style, you know what I mean? Just like, you know, like, like flying in the air, like, boom, you know. You wanted to murder, you know, but you didn't. You're just like, oh, God said don't murder. So I'm going to just give her one of those looks. You know, some of you girls, you have looks that I'm almost, like, they're this close to killing people. Like one of these days, I will visit one of you in jail, and it wasn't because you, you, you picked up an object, it was because you looked at somebody and they died. <laughs> so you didn't kill her, but you gave her the look. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, anyone that hates a brother or sister has committed murder in his heart. A lot of people sinning from church pews then, aren't they? Because we're not committing sins with our hands, but we're committing sins with our hearts. So can you honestly say that before God, you stand pure and blameless, like this verse says. The next, um, the next spiritual vital sign between you and God is passionate. You know, one thing that's coming up here is football season. And one thing about us Americans, we're passionate about our football. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I, so, you know, I, I saw it somewhere, there was a joke that said, you know, you know Pastor told me he wished I'd be as passionate about, um, passionate about church as I was about football, so I came with my chest painted, and when Pastor finished his sermon, I dumped a, car, a, a cooler of Gatorade on his head. Yeah, so, yeah. it's supposed to be funny, never mind. Um, but we're passionate about things. Look at this uh, verse, in, starting in verse uh, 145. 
Um, this is, this is uh, the psalmist talking to God. He says, with my whole heart I cry, I cry out, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, according to your justice. Um, draw, they draw near who persecute me, but you are near, O Lord, and your commandments are true. Do you hear the passion in there? Um, you know, they say in the heart that the arteries, if you have an unhealthy diet, can become hardened and calloused, and that causes problems for your heart and makes you at risk for heart disease, heart attack. And once your heart artery, arterial walls have been hardened, they can never be softened again. And we run the risk as, as, as people who follow God and who follow Jesus of becoming so just whatever to the things of God that our heart becomes hard and the things when God speaks to us we don't hear him anymore or we read God's word we don't get anything because we've just lost our passion but look at this passion look at this passion you see prayer here and prayer is more than a to-do list prayer is more like uh, more than what's that um, God our father God our father we thank you we thank you for friends and family amen okay let's eat a cheeseburger yeah prayer is more than that um, if you look at this verse, it says, with my whole heart, I cry out to God. When's the last time you cried out to God? Uh, when is the last time you got up in the morning to pray? Look at this, it says, you know, this, some of you will identify with this having to get up early this week. Um, it says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. Some of you rise before dawn and just cry because you have to go to school. But why don't you take those tears and apply them to God? Um, you know, we should be passionate about the things of God. Have you lost your passion for God? That's a spiritual vital. And the last one is, is my heart even beating? Um, is my heart even beating? Um, you know, another medical picture, so if you don't like medical, don't look. But th these are the internal paddles. So when someone is in real bad shape, they cut the chest, they get a rib spreader, they spread the ribs open, and they put those internal paddles in, and they shock the heart. Um, because the heart has stopped beating. Look at this, and, and some of you are dangerously close. By the way, you cannot lose your salvation, let me be clear. But some of us, are at, our, our pulse is just barely there. But look at David's pulse, the pulse of the psalmist in Psalm 161. It says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. The bigness of God. God's a big God. When's the last time you just thought, man, God is big? God's a big God. Um, so, how are you doing? How are your spiritual vital signs? I've got a couple ways that we can improve, that we can turn our heart back towards God. And you know me, I've got to come up with words. So, sometimes I have F words, sometimes I have C words, sometimes I have P words. Tonight we have C words. And here's the first C word. Um, the first C word is connect. Connect with God. Hey, God said this. God said this. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, abide in me. Live in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the time we spend in God's word is vital. No pun intended. It's vital to your heart. So we need to connect with God. Um, the next word, this is kind of a weird one. The word is cocoon. Um, I, when I was a kid, I used to catch uh, caterpillars. I put them in a Mountain Dew can or Mountain Dew bottle, like clear Mountain Dew bottle or whatever, and I would put like Habitat in for them, and I'd watch them, and they would, 
you know, they, eventually they'd make a cocoon, they'd hatch into a butterfly, and I, we'd, we'd, we'd do, we had nothing else to do, I guess, as a kid. So we'd, we'd do these big butterfly release parties, me and my brother, and we'd, like, make snacks and everything, and we'd let the butterfly go, and, sorry, that's really lame, I know. And, and then we, yeah, it, it, but it was fun. We'd watch, we'd watch that ugly caterpillar be transformed. Do you know that God is not expecting you to do a bunch of things to earn his favor? But God wants to work in your life and change you. God doesn't do behavior modification. God does life transformation. So you need to let Jesus transform you and stop working so hard to try to transform yourself into something that's really not even a Christian. Some of you are trying to be another version of somebody else that you go to church with just because you think, if I could be like Evan, I'd be a good Christian. God doesn't want you to be like Evan. This is the next thing. Compare yourself to Jesus, not others. God doesn't want you to look like Evan. God wants you to look like Jesus, and God wants Evan to look like Jesus. And it's time we stop comparing ourselves to one another, and we start comparing ourselves to Jesus. When I, was, when I played soccer, we'd do uh, the suicides. You know what I mean by that? You know, you go here, and you run back, and then you go further, and you run back. And when you're running suicides, especially on soccer, we ran a lot of them, what I figured out is I don't have to give it my all. All I have to do is be faster than the slowest three people on the team and my coach won't get on to me. We have that idea with Christianity. We think, well, I don't have to give my whole heart to God. I just have to give more of my heart to God than Sidney, Evan, and Joshua are giving. And that'll make me feel better about myself. And I can get on co Comparagram, and I can post pictures of my, um, my, my mission, mission trip pictures or my camp pictures and make everybody think I'm doing well. And they'll, think, they'll look at me and they'll be like, oh, I can't match up to Matt. We need to compare ourselves to Jesus. When you compare yourself to Jesus, you realize you always have growing to do, and you can always get healthier in your relationship with God. And here's the final one. Confess your need for Jesus. Um, oh, yeah, we have time to do this. This is, this is exciting. Um, John works at the hospital. Has anybody seen John at the hospital in his scrubs? Some of you have. Um, John works at the hospital. And um, anybody know what John does? Where is John? Come on up here, John. Anybody know what John does at the hospital? Shout it out. He's a plebotomist. That has nothing to do with your bottom. Um, <laughs> have you ever heard that one before? Uh, no, that's not okay. Um, so John's a plebotomist, and that's a fancy name uh, for um, someone. He comes and he draws blood from people. Um, he draws blood from people. John, do you want my left arm or my right arm? Okay. Um, let's do the left arm. Um, so John draws blood from people. Um, now, have you ever... <laughs> I may regret this. Um, have you ever, um, who here has had their blood drawn? Wow, a lot of you. Okay. So I heard somebody say they actually had their blood drawn by John. Okay. Awesome. Did he do a good job? He did a good job? Well, that, that's reassuring. Um, so, so, and this is what John does for a living. Now, ha have you ever seen or heard of, there's these websites that if you send in your hair or your blood, they can trace your ancestry? You ever seen that? Um, my dad did that, and, I, and like, I, he didn't send in his, yeah, he did. He sent, I think he sent in his blood. And turns out, I've got some Chinese in me, which, um, which explains why I like to go to China House, uh, <laughs> although I'm sure that's not authentic Chinese food. Um, but um, so what's really cool is as you are, do you need something to sit on? Or you, as long as you don't bloody my Bible. You want me to put my arm on it? Yeah. Okay. 
So, um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> do what? So, um, you can just go ahead. I'll... Um, so when you're, um, when you send this blood off, it tells you a lot about you. They can find out a lot about you. And one of the things that they can discover about you is your heritage, who your grandparents were, who your um, great-grandparents were. You know what my dad was able to find out? He was able to trace his ancestry back to the, I think it was the 1300s, no, 1400s. And, no, I'm sorry, 1500s, I lied to you. Um, I won't faint. Um, But he was able to draw his ancestry back to the 1500s, and he was able to find out that one of his ancestors um, got beheaded for his faith, which was pretty cool. He found that out. He found that out through a blood test. And this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. A blood test tells you who you are. A blood test tells you who you are. Everybody give John a hand. Um, I may be too sweaty for this to stick. Um, But John is going to give me my blood. And then I'm going to demonstrate why I did something so ridiculous. Okay, first off, I knew you wouldn't forget it. And if there's one truth I don't ever want you to forget, it's this. So this is my blood. Any of you, sorry, any of you recognize this? How many of you all have had to take a test on one of these? It's a Scantron, you know? Don't, do these bring, bring back like traumatic memories to your mind? One day, you're going to have to take the ACT. How many of y'all have had to take the ACT before? Okay, very stressful, right? Because as you're filling the bubbles out, you're thinking, as you're filling the bubbles out, you're thinking, if I fill in the wrong bubbles, I'm not going to get a scholarship to college. And you're thinking, if I really don't, if I really, oh, John, thank you for your concern, John. Um, yeah, I'm sweating. Um, so, there we go. Thank you. If I fill in the wrong bubbles, I won't get a scholarship to college. If I really do a bad job of filling the bubbles in, I won't even get into college. And my parents really want me to get into college, so I feel all this pressure. We sometimes apply this to Christianity and think if I fill in all the right bubbles, if I go to church, if I don't sleep around until I'm married, if I respect my parents, if I go on a mission trip, maybe I will find favor with God. I still won't forget the one guy, you know, we were talking and a guy was helping us um, doing some construction in the, in, in the church and, and uh, I said, thank you for going above and beyond and helping us get this together. And he said, well, I just hope that, that, yeah, that my help will get me in good with God. And that's the perspective that some people have, is that if we do the right things, We'll, if we fill in the right bubbles, we'll get in good with God. But here's the problem. The Bible says we, did, we filled in the wrong bubbles. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We failed the test. But here's what's the good news. The entrance, the entrance exam to heaven is not a scantron. It's a blood test. When you put your faith in Jesus and you trust him, You become a child of God. His spiritual DNA runs through your veins. And when you get to heaven, you're not going to get into heaven based on 
what good of a life you lived, you're going to get into heaven. First off, because Jesus shed his blood for you. Secondly, because when he shed his blood for you and you trusted in him, you became a child of God. So I just need to ask you, as we, as we leave, what are you counting on to get you into heaven? Are you counting on the Scantron? Or are you counting on the blood test? Um, we're going to get out right on time, which is kind of a first for us. But before we leave, um, I'd like to just kind of give you a moment to spend with God. So will you bow your head and close your eyes? And, I mean, I know maybe you've been talking to your friends at various times tonight, but this is not a time to talk to your friends. I really want you to talk to God right now. So for the next, like, minute, just, just focus on you. Draw a circle around you. And I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you two questions. First off, I need to ask you, um, has there ever been a time in your life where you stopped relying on your goodness and you trusted God's goodness and you put your faith in Jesus? Do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? What scares me is every year somebody enrolls in a high school around here that thinks they have all the time in the world and they don't make it through the school year. If you were to die tonight, would the blood test confirm that you're a child of God? Have you ever put your, has there ever been a time in your life where you put your faith in Jesus? Um, that's the first question I want to ask you, and I want you to think about it. Um, if you're here tonight, and you're not for sure, you don't know if, um, if you're a child of God. You don't know if you're saved. You don't know if you go to heaven when you die. And you're, you're trying to figure that out. And you'd like someone to just kind of over this week just remember you in prayer. I won't call on you. I won't embarrass you. Um, but nobody kind of look up, but if, if, if you're saying, Matt, that's me, I'm just not sure, I'm not sure I know it. Will you just raise your hand? I'm not sure I know for sure so I can pray with you. The next question I want to ask you is, yeah, you're a child of God, but are you trusting your own righteousness to get you in good with God, or are you trusting God? Are you trusting God not just to save you, but to keep you saved? and to give you an abundant life. So I want to give you just a minute to just pray and thank God for what he did for you. Thank God for shedding his blood for you. And then we're going to pray together, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, so let's pray. Um, Father, thank you so much that you shed your blood for us. Um, God, thank you for giving us um, the ability to say no to sin because your Holy Spirit lives inside us. Um, God, I pray that as we start off this school year, um, that we'll start off the school year knowing for sure that we're saved and knowing for sure that our whole heart is devoted to you. And we thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.